Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So this is, this is message number two in our Living Under Grace series. You know, and when we talk about grace, we always have to contextualize it a little bit because a lot of people confuse mercy and grace. When we talk, when we emphasize the idea that we are free from the law, the language that's used in Scripture is you are delivered from the law. You are free from the law. You are no longer under the law. Jesus fulfilled it for you so that you can live under grace. Unfortunately, most of the Christian world hears because you're free from the law, you can now live under mercy, which means an excuse to continue in sin because he's always going to be merciful to you no matter what. And they confuse mercy and grace. Mercy and grace are not the same thing. Mercy is God's capacity to forgive you in spite of you. All your failures, God looks at you. And because of Christ, he does not hold your sin against you. He forgives you in Christ. Grace is an empowerment. Grace is not what God extends to you to forgive you. Grace is a strength that he gives you so that you can rise above all of that stuff that puts you in a position to need his mercy. And it's not just about sin. It's also about walking in your calling. It's about walking as a husband, a wife, a child honoring of their parent, a Boss, honoring of their employees, an employee, honoring of the company that they're working for. People called into office, elected into office, living in the newness of life, living by... Are there, is there anybody that lives by grace in Washington? Maybe there's one or two, I don't know, but, you know, we're trying to pray to see some change in that. You know, when we think about grace, a lot of times we just instantly think about sin. There's so much sin consciousness in Christianity. And just so you know, sin is bad. Stop it. Don't do it. It's killing you. Right? Avoid it at all cost. But grace is like, it's mostly about you receiving the inner strength from God to live the way that you know that God has called you to live. Because have you figured out you can't do it in your own strength? And see, we talk about it. So the grace, you have to talk about grace like you're painting a portrait in terms of you're painting this picture up there, you get to observe it, appreciate what you can get out of it, and you have a connection with it yourself and the, from it being the Holy Spirit, and you walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, these things we talk about at a conscious level, a level at your, of your intellect, maybe even a little bit of an emotional level, but you have to go a little bit deeper where you're connected with God and your spirit to actually walk this stuff out. The greatest frustration of most Christians is that they can't change those things that they struggle with. And so we just adopt the mentality, I'm going to keep struggling. In fact, some are taught it's your nature to desire sin, so therefore you're just locked into this sin cycle and there's no excuse or there's no hope. You're going to struggle with sin. Well, you know what? Jesus delivered you from Darkness, the power of darkness. He bore your sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that you don't have to struggle with temptation. You don't have to struggle with depression, fear, worry. All of that stuff that robs what Jesus paid for you to experience, you don't have to struggle with that stuff. Now, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, right? He said it. It's going to happen. And you might even suffer persecution for the sake of the gospel, right? You might go into a place, and Paul writes about it. The early church experienced such difficult persecution, they talked about it all the time. We don't really experience that much persecution, not here in this country. You know, somebody might say something derogatory about your faith statement on Facebook, and that's not really persecution. Maybe. You know, I feel bad for a moment, but... Persecution that those guys were talking about in the beginning is you are arrested, you are beat, you are brought near to death, you are imprisoned, and you are told to shut up or we'll really kill you the next time. That might happen. You might suffer persecution, right? So when we talk about 
experiencing the newness of life. We're not trying to paint this picture of duckies and rainbows and perfection, like you're never going to have anything bad happen to you. Well, you're in the world. It's going to happen. However, there's grace to strengthen you and empower you through anything that you might face, whether it come from your own internal lust and desire or something that happened to you. Right? So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how do we live under the power of the influence of God to bring glory to His name, not under these contrived ideas of God controlling everything to bring difficulty to you to see if you'll pass the test. And if you do, then you bring glory to his name. You know, he's not doing that. He's not playing with your life externally to try to make himself look good. He's leading you internally with his word and with his spirit to bring glory and honor to who he is. Amen. And that's what we want to do. I mean, it's Christianity 101. We want to obey him, follow him, live in such a way that brings glory and honor to him, that doesn't dishonor what he is, keeping the commandments he's called us to, loving him and loving one another, which is everything's hinged on that. So how do we yield to that? Yeah, and, and yes, overcoming those sin habits that you continually fall into because there is hope. You don't have, you don't have to continually give into it. Did you know that? Amen? Amen. All right, so living under grace all really kind of based on this, this passage here, Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified, say, I have been justified. Have been. It's not progressive. It happened, and it's continuing to have an effect. You have been justified. Uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Man, I'm telling you, in, this is Paul for you. This is, this is a book in one sentence. This is a doctrinal discourse in one sentence. There is so much packed into this. So through him, who? Jesus. Through him, we have also obtained access into what? Grace. How do we get into that grace? By faith. And then what do we do once we get in there? You stand. Why? So that you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So it's like, all right, I want to get in there. In there being grace, in that place where God is influencing me, God is shaping me, where I'm yielded to Him, where I will be obedient from the heart to Him. How do I get in there? By faith. What is faith? Faith is not your power to move God. Faith is not your power to move you. Faith is your dependence on Him. Faith is how persuaded are you in who Jesus is. If Jesus appeared right here, on the stage, right here next to me, and he said, I am Jesus. The degree to which you believe him determines whether you have great or little faith. If he says, I am Jesus, and I'm going to heal you of right now, would you believe him? If he says, I am Jesus, and I can give you the power to overcome that thing that you are struggling with right now. Would you believe him? That's faith. He's, he makes a statement. You respond and say, oh, I, you're Jesus, yeah. But the sin thing that I'm working with, you can help me with that? Oh, I don't, I'm not sure because, you see, I've been struggling with it for a long time. And I kind of like it. I'm not sure I want to give it up. And he's like, it's going to kill you, but I still love you. I paid the penalty for it. And if you so choose, you can continue that direction. It's going to harden your heart. It's going to kill you. But I died for you. I love you. You're accepted in me. I really wish that you would let me help you and strengthen you through this process. And I'm here if you want it. Would you believe him? Would you let him help you? 
because he's not going to step down off that stage and go make it happen for you. That ain't going to happen. But he'll help you. How will he help you? He'll give you his grace. He loves you just like the woman caught in adultery. How did he help her walk out of that lifestyle? He lifted all the condemnation off of her. And then he said, he showed her love, showed her mercy, and then he empowered her. Yes. And ultimately, she became born again, receiving his spirit to live in that power. But that's the process. Amen. Experiencing that mercy and forgiveness from him. And yes. then you trust him to walk in his power, yes. in that newness of life. But would you believe him? Whatever he claims, that's what... I think that's what church mostly should be is informing us of what Jesus paid for that, that we have legal right to believe of him. Because to the degree that you will believe him, you'll see it in your life. I'm not saying your great faith makes it happen. It's not because it's him that makes it happen. But will you let him? And that letting him, that allowance that you give to Him and your spirit, and then you live in it, is grace. It's power. It's strengthening, right? Amen. So, let me just, I'm going to I'm gonna get out of order here for just a minute, but because I want to say it this, I want to show this here. Ephesians 2. Oh, it actually is in the right place. I'm smarter than I think. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not a doing. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Like, we know that. But there's an active element of grace here that saves you. And this is what we want to talk about. How do I experience grace for salvation? Right? It might be a little bit warm in here. You want to bump that down? Thank you. All right, so saved is the Greek word sozo. Sozo doesn't just mean, oh, yeah, I believe, Jesus, you died for me. Now I get to go to heaven. That's, not, that, that's, that's like the entry point, but saved, sozo, is more, in, it's, it's, it's a broader word. I feel like I say this every time we address this issue, but somebody may not have heard this, so you should know there is... When you take, when they translated the Bible into English, because you know it wasn't written in English, right? I mean, just so you know. I mean, because, you know, some people argue about which translation is the right one. It's like, how about the one that they originally wrote it in? Uh, anyway, so there is translation and then there's transliteration. Translation is when you take a Greek or Hebrew word and you write out the definition of what it means in English. In other words, you actually explain in the new language, the translated language, what that word is. There is also transliterate, where you take the original language word and then you just write it, the same word, as close as you can, in the translated language. So, in other words, a transliterated word is not translated. You don't know the meaning of the word because they transliterated it. They just changed it from one language to the next without explaining what it actually is. So, to get the full meaning of what it actually should say, it should, it's not just you've been sozoed by grace through faith. It's you have been everything that sozo is. And what is sozo? It's deliverance, restoration, healing, wholeness, prosperity, provision. It is all those things. It's interesting. Prosperity is not in sozo, but it is in soteria, which is the... Transliteration of salvation. You didn't know we were going to go that deep today. Did you? you probably knew this already. But the point being, there is an active element. So if grace is just mercy, then God's kind of overlooking your shortcomings and failures. But no, there's something going on with grace. You know, there's an active element to it. And what does it do? It produces in your life healing, wholeness, soundness, restoration, preservation, deliverance. One of, the, one of the definitions that I love of uh, soteria, which is salvation, is deliverance from messianic judgment. You will never, ever experience judgment from God in your life because Jesus 
experienced it for you. Now, should you continue in sin because of that? Of course not. Why would you? You're under grace, meaning you're under now a better way to live within that salvation that you've been given. We need to understand what grace really means and not just understand it, but live in the power of it, which you can. Say it. I can live in grace. Grace is power. How do you get it? By faith. He's offering it, but you access it by faith. What is faith? Actually believing that he is who he says that he is, or persuasion, and an enig. Was that tongues? That may have been tongues for just a second. Did you understand that? Because if you got the interpretation, give me. Uh, you know, faith is your response to Jesus. It's who, when he says this, or he says, I've done this, and you say, yes, you have, that's faith, right? Because in certain circles, faith has been taught to you try to throw all these scriptures up and you try to convince God that he's going to respond to you as if faith is a crowbar and you're storming the gates of heaven and you're wrenching the promises out of his hand because you're a great and wonderful faith, right? Building up your... How many came out of that kind of a background where it's like build your faith and your faith is something that you use to get God to respond to you? Just one? Anybody else? Nobody else? Yeah, a few, okay. So... You access the power of complete and full salvation by faith. Now, what we should be using our faith for is not to get God to move, but to become persuaded of who He is. Our faith should be more of an exercise to become rooted and grounded in who God says He is, more so than us trying to get things from Him. He's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness in Christ. Your faith looks at Him and says, you are smarter than me. You know a better way than I do. So I, let me just kind of forget about what I know for just a minute and focus on you as much as I can so that I make sure that I'm getting your mind on this thing. I'm actually talking about repentance. I'm talking about submission to His will. That's what we want to do. We want to take the time to think about these areas of our lives, specifically the ones that you want to see change, you find out what He says about it, you look to Him, acknowledging Him as your Lord and your God and your righteousness and your salvation and the one who loves you and wants good things for you. That's the heart which why you look to Him. You look to Him and you say, okay, these are the things that I want to see in my life because you say that these are the things that are important to you to see in my life. I want to live that way. I'm going to look to you to make sure I have your mind on this matter so that my mind is renewed, so that I'm in agreement with you, so that when you lead me, strength, the only way, you, the only hope you have of following him is make sure that your mind is actually in agreement with him your heart is submitted to Him so that when He leads you, you will then follow. To enter into the rest, you renew your mind. You make sure you're in agreement with Him, submitted to Him, willing to set aside your desire, even though you really kind of secretly want that thing. Like, you don't struggle with a sin that you don't want. You might not want the effects of it. You might... You know, you understand what I'm saying. You might look at that thing and be like, gosh, I really don't want to do that. But you like it. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. You like getting angry. Brings you a sense of control. You like being depressed. Gives you an excuse to check out and not face life. Uh-oh. Y'all thought I was talking about something else. My kids are here, so I can't go too much into them. All right. I want to read this passage out of this. This is actually the, there's only a couple more scriptures. And, uh, you know, what does it see? It's, oh, it's only 1030. Shoot, we got all kind of time. All right, so Ephesians 3.12. Yeah, I mean, it's important, right? It's important that we take the time to really invest into ourselves, that we really expose our hearts to God, right? It's important that we take the time to renew our minds. Amen? So Ephesians 3, I'm reading this 
Although the actual word grace is not used in this particular selection of Scripture, I think, in my understanding, it helps me understand the function of grace better than a lot of other places. So what you're going to see here is the function of grace and how it works through a human heart. In other words, grace being... So God sits on His throne, right? He is connected with us somehow in spirit. This is why I love the quantum aspect of what we're learning about the nature of reality right now. We're actually learning that everything is connected, that there's this unified field theory where everything is connected and one thing affects the other and we're all made of the same thing, whether you go to like a string theory where we're all just a vibrating bundle of strings manifesting in different ways. But what we do know is because all these tests and studies, everything is connected. You translate that to the spiritual dimension Everything is connected. We are, those of us who have been renewed, said yes to Jesus, become born again. He's given us that new heart. He's placed his spirit within us. We are right now in this moment connected with him and there's substance to it. He's not just distant from us and one day we'll get there. No, part of what it is for him to be who he is has joined himself to us now. Amen. And, and we receive that by faith, and then you can get a little bit of insight into it, but we don't fully understand that, but we know that we're one with Him now. And so because of that connection, something like this can happen. Because of that connection, there's an avenue into us for Him to deposit those things that He wants out of us. And He's already given us everything that He wants from us in Christ. Your thing is just renew your mind to live in the newness of that life that he has given you. Do, do, you, do you understand that? Now I pray that you go a little bit deeper into your heart within that and let it become something that guides you. Because then the Holy Spirit takes over and teaches you from there. Right? All right, so Ephesians 3.12, in whom, talking about Jesus, in whom we have boldness, and access with confidence through faith in Him. See, same type of thing, you're right, that same language, access by faith, or yeah, by faith into this grace in which we stand to bring hope, you know, that we stand in the hope to bring glory and honor to His name. Same kind of language here. Ephesians 3.12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence. You should come before Him confidently. Bye. I know they got to go somewhere. If I knew ahead of time. <laughs> I won't call you out. Except for if you... Anyway, all right. So we're accessing. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your... You know, this was a problem in the early church. A lot of people were experiencing persecution. They were looking at the persecution of the early church, and they were thinking... Man, I don't know. I think I might want to go back underneath that, especially Jews. They were thinking, I think I might want to go back underneath that Levitical priesthood. I think I'd rather abandon the blood of Christ and go back to the blood of goats and bulls, which was the warning that Paul gave in Hebrews. Don't, don't tread the salvation of Christ underfoot and go back. Don't be of those that draw back. That's the warning. That's the sin that he warned of in Hebrews was leaving the faith and going back under sacrificial system. He said, don't, don't lose heart because of what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. So kind of a little caveat he says in there. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom... Now, this is, I want you to look at this as an action of God toward you, right? This is God, something that God is actively doing through you. These aren't just letters on a screen or in a Bible. This is, act, this is something that God is engaged in with you in relationship, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Where's your inner being? Right, somewhere in here, right? Maybe. Is that a good guess? Somewhere in here? Your inner being, right? Like, let's get overly practical with this thing. Those things that you struggle with, where do those desires come from? Some, somewhere in here, right? These, I, there's, ah, I got this life. I, I, 
I have this, but I don't want that. I want what God wants for me, and it's all happening in here, right? Like, you don't have a brain on a jar sitting on your desk that's computing all of these things that are, you're going through. In your inner being, you are dealing with life. In your inner being, you are processing through the decisions that you need to make about life. In your inner being is where you fight the fight of faith. Inside you is where you decide, am I going to go this way or am I going to go that way? You might think that you have a genetic propensity toward addiction, but you have a power in you that is greater than anything else that can override and transform that stuff. There is a power from the Spirit of God into your inner being. Are you with me? I, I mean, it's like, it's pretty easy to understand that. So let's keep going. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. All right? So, God is connected with me. He's strengthening me into my inner being. Why? What does He want? Why would He do that? Why would He strengthen me inwardly? So Christ would dwell in our hearts. You ask any kid, where does Jesus live? What do they say? In my heart. And my answer is, I hope so. What do I mean by that? He's, if you're born again, He's in your spirit. But he might not be in your heart. Sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. What do we mean by that? We're going to look at that in a little bit more detail. Your heart is really the new you. He, God gave you a new heart. It has the capacity to look toward the Spirit of God and be strengthened. But God wants to strengthen you so that you'll let Jesus into a very deep part of your being that he calls your heart. Your heart the thoughts of your heart, the intent of your heart, ultimately determines the outcome of your life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Above all else, guard your heart because out of it flow all the issues of life. The very promise of the new covenant from Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah that God made about the new covenant sealed in the blood of Christ is that he would give you a new heart. The heart is very important, very important. And we say, well, it's deceitful and wicked above all things. Don't trust your heart. Well, it used to be. That old one was, but he took it out and he gave you a new one. We talked about that past few weeks, Colossians, that he removed that root of sin, that body of flesh, took out that old heart, gave you a new one. Now, that new heart still is partly human within you, and it does have the capacity to be deceived, but it's not evil and contrary to God in nature any longer. He gave you one. You know, when David said, God, give me a new heart, a heart after yours, that's the kind of heart that God gave you. Yes. What are you going to do with it? You're going to protect it? Keep it from being overcharged by the world? Keep it from being deceived? Keep it turned toward God and soft and pliable toward God? That's why you, it's one of the biggest reasons you stay out of sin because you want that heart, that inner being, to be soft toward God, to be able to be influenced by God so that you'll follow Him. You don't have an excuse to give, up, to give in to sin any longer. He rewired you inwardly so that you can follow Him. Talking about the heart. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I love this. It's all, you know, so we know that faith works by love. Paul gives us that insight. Faith works by love. So in order for you to have healthy, proper, full, mature, great faith in God is actually a response to his love for you. He says he loved us because we first loved him. So your response to God is to love him because he first loved you. So when you respond back to him and you say, oh my goodness, you love me, that, does, that causes me to love you back. That's faith as you love him back, that's faith. That's you responding to God and being persuaded of that love that he originally showed you even when you were dead in your sin. God loved you and gave himself for you. Amen? It's, all, it's pretty easy. We complicate it. But your, response, your love response back to his love for you is faith. And to the, to the degree to which you trust his love for you, you will allow yourself to be impressionable to him 
to then respond back to Him. And the more impressionable you are, the more open to suggestion you are of His love for you, the more you will reflect back to Him that which He is reflecting to you. It's the secret, it's the mystery of Christianity to see Him in fully who He is and that will reflect back out of you who He is. All of that stuff that you're trying to fix in your own strength, it ain't going to work. You're responding to His love for you. It's the cycle of grace getting into your heart, grace being His influence and strength in your inner man. Remember when Paul, we talked about this last week, Paul prayed, hey God, I'd really like for you to remove this thorn out of my side and he was talking about people. Paul would go preach. He had Judaizers, Pharisees, everybody coming in, undermining what he taught, disrupting what he was trying to do. Those are the thorn in the side. That's the thorn in the side that he was talking about. He wasn't talking about some mystery illness. Remember, it was a messenger from Satan that came. It wasn't an illness from God, a messenger from Satan. And Paul said, God, I need some help here. Three times, what did God say? My grace is sufficient for you. That's not a no. That's not no, Paul. Suffer a little bit because I'm going to look really good if you suffer for me. No, that's a solution. That's God telling Paul, look, you're going to have tribulation out here in this world, but my strength in you is what you need. And then Paul learned, oh, when I'm weak, I am actually strong in him. That opens me up for the opportunity to be strong in Him because in my own strength, I can't deal with it. In my own strength, i got all this pressure coming in and I can't do it and it's driving me crazy. But, oh, there's a strength inside of me. There's an influence inside of me that strengthens me that I can, now I can actually be happy when I'm weak because I'm not limited to that weakness. There's something else that I can live in other than that weakness. His grace is sufficient for me in any situation. The only, the problem is, is when you internally are your own persecutor. That's the hardest persecution to overcome when it's coming from here because of your own actions and your own choices and just how you see yourself. That's the grace that you really need to overcome that inner voice of persecution that's coming from you. And we're pretty good at persecuting ourselves, aren't we? Stop it. <clears throat> so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through... You know, we can play church or we can actually try to engage the Spirit of God in such a way where we experience transformation and we live in the power of the newness of Spirit and we show the world what it looks like to follow Jesus in, in power. Amen? <clears throat> so being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What, is, what does He want you to understand? He wants you to understand the breadth, length, height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So God wants you to be strengthened in your inner man, which is an influence He's given you, so that you'll open your heart to trust Him. Bye. <laughs> That's my wife, by the way. I can. God is impacting you in your inner being. He's opening, opening your heart to Him to be strengthened. Why? So that His love can be poured into you, that you would understand His love, right? That's what He's trying to do. Do you not see it? That you would understand. And then what does that love do? Brings you to the place where you're filled with all the fullness of God. I pray that you are so full of God's love for you that there's no room in there to desire anything else. Now that sounds really good, but what are you going to do? to engage that, because God's trying to do that. It's up to you to go there, lean into that grace, make margin with your desires, push that stuff back, resist sin, resist the enemy, resist the world and create some space in there for grace to fill it up and then you live because He loves you. He's dumping all this grace, this power into you to be strengthened. It is available. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It's your choice. Will you choose it above what you want? you got to make a decision. I want what God wants for me more than I want what I want for me. And it's easy to have that thought, but do you really mean it? Do you go down and deep? By the way, if anybody needs to leave, don't... I, I, I kind of feel bad now because I know... <laughs> except you. 
I just want to say, if anybody needs to go, I understand that, you know, people have plans and stuff, so. I, I don't apologize to those other people. But if you need to go. But trust me, this is good. So you may have strength. To, so, all right. Are you with me? Then this is the last section in that particular passage. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above, far more abundantly than, than uh, all right. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What is that power? Grace. Grace. According to that power at work within us. How many of you want to live under the influence of that power that is at work within you? To him be glory in the church and in, and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, you will have victory, victories, that works too, where your heart is established in the Word of God. All right? So, one of the things that you're wanting to do is take the Word of God, use it as a mind renewal exercise to get God's mind and heart on this thing so that it's in your heart so that when God strengthens you, He will strengthen you according to His Word. So you got to have the Word in there so that you're in agreement with it when he brings it up to you to follow him, right? And in the areas where your heart is established in his word, you will walk in victory. Conversely, in the areas where your heart is not established, you're going to struggle. If you, if you're, man, I just, I didn't, I should have proofread myself. If you're struck, your, if you are, I forgot the R. If you are struggling to receive grace, establish your heart in that area in the Word. I have emotional issues. I have sexual issues. I have financial issues. I have relational issues. There's only a few things that we struggle with in this life. What does the Word say about it? Get a some time to get a collection of what God says about those things. Look at them, read them, meditate on them, think about them. What do they look like in your life if they were a reality? Don't just read them and use them to condemn you and think, well, I can never do that. Don't just read them and think, God, I really wish you would do this. No, you are in charge of the inner being. You are in charge of the receptivity of God's strength that he's trying to give you. You are in charge of what's going on in here, making it receptive or not. Most of us throw up a little prayer, and then we go on about struggling with that same old desire over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Run those emotional patterns over and over because we run the same thought patterns over and over and over again. Change it. Interrupt it. Use the word to get in there, to prepare that place, to, be, to, to step into the power that he's trying to give you. <coughs> He's always trying to give you power, but it's your choice to lean into it and step into it and take a hold of it. Do you know how to do that? I do in some areas, but you know what? It's the Holy Spirit that will teach you. Honestly, people are lying if they think that they can teach you how to do the Holy Spirit's job in your life. I mean, a lot of leaders get themselves in trouble because they're trying to be the Holy Spirit for other people. I mean, I've had people come into this church and it's like they're so used to the pastor telling them, well, I think this is the way, like they go to the pastor to figure out if what they're hearing is actually from God or not. Now, I, I, I'm like, I want to help you find out what the word says, but are you kidding me? I am not your Holy Spirit. Come on. <clears throat> so here's the question. How do I establish my heart in grace, in the word? Let's look at a couple of passages, then we'll wrap it up. How the idea of how do I get my heart? Because, because right. So, and, and let, let me read this one. The the Mark four, Matthew thirteen. Jesus gives us the mystery of the kingdom, and then he teaches about the heart. And he says, the condition of your heart will determine the degree to which the kingdom grows in your life. And he says it, and I quote it all the time. He says, uh. Here's how it works. 
talking about it being the word or the kingdom in your heart. It works this way. It's like a farmer who casts seed into the ground. He goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how it happens, but it produces after its own kind. It's your job to expose yourself to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, not just in your intellect, but in your emotions also, where you are actually feeling the reality of this love that He's giving to you. Not some mystical experience, but where you... You know, have you ever been in a relationship where it's like you're kind of just in your own world, but yet you're with somebody that you really love and you stop for a minute, you catch yourself and you're like, wait a minute. No, this is what's important. I'm going to focus on my child. I'm going to focus on my spouse. My friend is sitting here and hurt in front of me. And it's like you shift yourself and it's like, okay, let me, let me, let me actually listen to what they're actually saying here for just, you ever, you ever done that? You ever had that experience where you kind of in your, I did that to Josh yesterday. We were, oh, we took a motorcycle ride and we helped them move some things and he was getting ready to leave and I'm like on a mission and he's like stuck his hand out. Hey, I'm see, I didn't even hear what he said. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. He said, bye. He's like, okay, let me, you know, like I had to stop and turn my attention and look at him and say, oh, yeah, man, see ya. You know, wasn't that big of a deal, but that's a good example. We do that all the time. We pass God. You got to stop, turn at him. Look at him. And you look at him by looking at Jesus. The heart of Jesus will show you who God really is. When you read the Gospels, look at how Jesus treated people. That's the heart of God, isn't it? He is the exact representation of the invisible God. Jesus shows you who God is. So out of that Mark 4 principle, the, the receptivity of your heart, he gives this warning is pay attention to what you hear because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. Like the degree, and, and the idea is this, talking about the word bearing fruit in your heart to produce fruit. The, the, the issue is this, the degree of thought and intention, the measure you meet to it will be measured back to you. It's not that you prove your devotion to God, then He gives you more. It's that the Word is there to be sown into with your own heart, and as you do, it produces back through you. It's the, it's the devotion to the act of God in love toward you and your response to dig into that to let it shape you and transform you. We don't take time to do it. We just don't. We might read the Bible or read a chapter in a book and we think, man, I, okay, I read some today and I learned something. I had a really cool revelation today. I'm kind of inspired. I feel better. But have you sat with it long enough to look into the mirror of that word so that it changes how you actually see yourself and then it begins to actually change your desires and your behaviors? It's up to you. You want to change? The path is clear. Proverbs 3.27a, the first part. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Saved by grace through faith. Everything that God has for you comes through you, comes to you from his spirit. It's a grace. It's an action to you. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth. Romans 10.10, with the heart one believes and is justified with the mouth one confesses and is saved, or confession is made unto salvation. The principle is this. You, when, all right, let me give you, I'm going to give you some homework, all right? You ready for your homework? Because I don't want to just kind of present the idea. I want to give you some track to run on. There is a process here that we see. It is with the heart that we believe. Believing is a capacity of the heart. You agree and evaluate with your mind or your brain. Maybe your mind is here. Brain, mind, heart, I don't know, I just made that up. But, you know, usually we evaluate the word with our brains, with our intellect. But you, you can think with your heart, too. And we're actually learning that your heart, your physical heart, has neurons. And your physical heart responds to the world before your brain does and sends signals to your brain. Like, if you've never come across that information, that's called the, the, um, uh, the, the uh, it's something about intuition. Remind me. It's important because it's really cool to know. Yeah, the heart math thing, but they call it something about intuition, like there's a science to it. Anyway, the, even the physical heart thinks. So here's what we're talking about. We want to learn to think about the Word of God with our hearts. Remember, He gave you a new heart. He's pouring power into your inner man so that Christ would dwell in your heart as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
So in other words, what you believe in your heart shapes who, you and, who and what you are. It is with the heart that we believe, which is what we're getting down to. I want you to believe the Word of God with your heart. When you believe the Word of God with your heart, you will obey from the heart. You can, believe, you can agree in your mind and your intellect. You can evaluate Scripture and argue doctrine and prove your case, but go home and you're still struggling with this thing because your heart is not believing the Word. Believe is to obey. There's no difference between believing and obeying at a heart level. When you really believe it at your heart level, you will obey it. And that's what we all want to 100% obey God, right? Like that's the best way to live. He loves us no matter what. There's mercy if we don't, but there's grace too. Are you with me? So here's your homework. Choose an area to establish your heart in grace and create a confession plan. So I've got here www.openbible.info is a great resource. Go to openbible.info, type in whatever area of your heart, whatever area of life you'd like to see changes made in, whether it be emotional, you know, if it's anger, sorrow, worry, depression, if it's finances, if it's relationship, if it's the gifts of the Spirit, whatever area it is that you want to see your heart established in, this is one resource that you can go to. There's a bunch of them out there. I'm just suggesting one. Type in that phrase, a couple of key words, and it'll pull up probably 50, 60, 120 scriptures. Now, your, my suggested homework for you would be print that out, go through, highlight the ones that really mean something to you, write them down in your own handwriting, and then read them out loud a couple of times a day. Confessing the word. It's with the heart that we believe, and it's with the mouse, mouse, mouth <laughs> we confess, right? So you're speaking the word not to try to get God to respond to you. You're not a magician moving God. You're not controlling God with your prayer and your confession. You're speaking it out more so to yourself that you hear it. There's something about you hearing your own voice through your own brain that you believe more so what you're saying. Now, whatever area that is that you get this collection of scriptures, your confession plan, and you're speaking out these actual scriptures related to that area where you're trying to establish your heart, you also want to feel it. You want the, emo the associated emotions with it. So if you're struggling with anger and then you read that you have the peace of God, or that the fruit of the Spirit in you is peace, and you're saying, I am a peaceful person. I have the Spirit of the living God within me who gives me peace. And you're like, I have the Spirit of the living God is peaceful in me. You know, that you're telling yourself, I don't really believe this. I'm saying it. I'm thinking it. I see it in the Bible, but I don't really believe it. I don't really, I don't really believe that I'm righteous. Because look at my behavior. I don't really believe that Jesus has given me the same anointing that he has. I don't really believe that I'm forgiven. I don't really believe that I'm healed. But you can. So whether it be you overcoming some kind of sin habit, experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in your life, walking in the power of God, receiving an aspect of salvation, healing, wholeness, soundness, preservation, deliverance, restoration, provision, all of that stuff. If it's money, you know, money, sex, and relationships is what most people struggle with on some level. It's not that difficult to find a group of passages related to one of those areas and just meditate on it. Because what you're doing is you're engaging in the Word of God in such a way where it will produce fruit in your life if you'll go there in your heart. How do you go there in your heart? The Holy Spirit will teach you. That's why we go through all this stuff here. We take the time to gather so we talk about the Word and change our minds and open ourselves up so that we can then go and actually engage God, right? I hope that you do. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, that, that is my hope for going through this grace series is that we come out of it with such a dependence on God 
to actually live in the power of his strength inside of us, that we live in the newness of life that brings glory and honor to his name. And along the way, as you do that, be willing to give up those things that you have, those desires that you have. And say, you know, because a lot of us are like, oh, you know, I got this area in my life. I know that God says this. I don't really think it's that big of a deal, so I'm just going to kind of keep doing this. Well, you know what? Have at it. See what that does for you. That will probably bring an early death in some way. Or you limit yourself because of the guilt and shame that you carry with that. Or you can make the decision and say, you know what, God, man, you're, you know, I want what you want for me. I really kind of still like this, and I'm going to admit to you that I still kind of like this. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Father, but, but I want you. I want to want you more than I still want this thing. Are you with me? Anybody have any areas in your life you need to make that decision over? Father, I really, I really do want what you want for me more than what I want. And I don't know how. I don't know how. I've, I've, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I don't know how. You have lived in the flesh. You have lived in your own strength. And you don't know how. But the Spirit of the living God knows how. And He can lead you and He can guide you. And you must be willing to humble yourself and give up that stuff that you want. Knowing that when He... His desire is actually birthed in you. It is better than anything you could ever want anyway. It's like he says here, exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. In the, in the areas that you're living in that you think God's not that concerned with, like in the most practical things, don't mysticize this and put this out into the realm of power. Put it in relationships, provision, all the stuff in your real world. He wants to touch that and change that. And it, you can't just throw up a little prayer and say, God, change me. It ain't going to happen that way. It's you engaging his word to the degree where you're gardening. You're spiritually gardening in your heart and you're planting the seeds of the word. and You're sitting within it long enough to adopt a new mindset, even though you're struggling with it. Yes, God, more than I want. I want your word to bear fruit in me and I will sit within it long enough. At least as long as it takes to engage that sin, sit with the Word of God. At least. And try it beforehand. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up, put our attention on the Lord. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we're safe in you. You know, we thank you that we can be honest with you and ourselves on this level because Jesus is our righteousness and he has given us the gift of eternal life and we are safe in you. Not to use that freedom to, you know, to misrepresent you and live recklessly, but to continually be shaped and conformed into that image of Christ so that we show the world how good our Father is and we experience the fruit of your righteousness, peace, and joy within us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now, now, you just make one decision here. I'm willing to offer myself to you, Father, as an instrument of your righteousness. And I will engage your word and your spirit in a deeper way, expecting it to bear fruit in my life. Is that your prayer? Amen. 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 Amen.